Bienvenidos, and welcome back to the Two Beers Podcast, Pot of the Everyman, where in our first beer, we talk about sports, and in our second beer, we talk about shows and movies. I'm Jordan, here with Drew. Drew, how's it going? Ugh, long, hard, and hanging to the right, baby. I am ready to go. Ready to go. Oh, man. And you know what? Um, speaking of long, hard, and hanging into the right, we have a special guest tonight. His dun, third dun, appearance dun, on the podcast. Dun, 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 Casey Shea. Casey, what's up, brother? Wow. I, that, that might be the best intro I have ever received. Received. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, boys. Better than the intro, go for Steve on prom night. Um, Woo! Oh! I, I got so many jokes written down on my phone, I don't want to forget tonight about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alright, so on that, note, on that note, let's assume positions for the two brew salute. Ready, three, two, one. Oh, yeah. Um, Shout, a couple shout-outs here. Um, Shout-out to Colonial Beer, where I buy my beer here in Bethel Park. Um, I was wearing my Two Beers podcast shirt, and, and the guy who works there was like, I'm going to listen to your podcast. I was like, sweet, thanks. And shout-out to Toppling Goliath for interacting with Toppling us on, Goliath. on Twitter this week. Decided to pick some up. Pseudo Sue yes. Pale Ale, baby, with the purple dinosaur. Let's go. I, I got to say, that is by far... It's not It's not what Corona was to me, but that is by far, if I have a go-to beer, I'm doing Toppling Goliath. Every, every one is so delicious. So. Yeah, I mean, they're known for their stouts, but look, let's let's be let's be real. Their their IPAs and pails are elite. Like let let's not even uh, play. I got a I got a sexy double IPA. I forget which what it's called. It's sitting in my fridge, but I'm not ready for that yet. That's for a special occasion. Okay. Uh, I am in honor of the uh, discussion tonight and our guest, the one with skates. I've got this Jersey Girl Brewing Company. Running with the Devils. It's like a Jersey Devil, oh. uh, New Jersey Devils play. I know you guys are. I know you guys aren't Devil fans, but uh. it's about as close as uh, close as hockey. So that we're gonna get. And let's be honest, Sid the kid's god. So Devils fans, they can eat it. That's true. Um, but what kind of what type of beer is that? I'm sure, it's an oh, it's an amber lager. Ooh, a little amber action. That's a little different for you. What's that mean? What's what's an amber lager, Jo? I mean, it's just. Does that that got some hyperglobin in it? Or? <laughs> I, I, well, I'll explain it to you one day when you're older. Casey, what are you drinking? Uh, I am bringing back one from I think the first appearance, anyway. Uh, it is the Founders Backwoods Bastard. Oh yeah! What type of beer is that? Uh, you're gonna make me look at this. I believe it's a barrel a or a uh, bourbon barrel. Yeah, bourbon barrel stout. Oh yeah. What's the ABV? I love on bourbon. That? Oh, I gotta find a light. Hold on. <laughs> oh, He's in his oh. dark basement. Seriously, there's like one light down here, and there's no. It's not in a good spot. Oh, it is a eleven percent. Oh yeah, we are gonna have him tipsy by the end. It's gonna be a fun night. All right, so um. Let's get to cracking on these topics. Um, first order of business. Highway robbery. <laughs> what a fight. Charlo Castaño last Saturday. Um, look, let's let's put the judging aside for a second. It was everything we wanted it to be. It was 
pretty much what we expected, Drew. Um, fight of the year, fight of the year so far. I, I put it above Chocolatito Estrada just because, as I've mentioned before, when you can just sit in the pocket and just throw that over a thousand punches, and your opponent can do the same, you're you're not a threat to hurt the other guy, um, and, and they're not a threat to hurt you. So that kind of like is just an exhibition of throwing punches. Better uh... these guys could hurt each other, and so that to me kind of puts it on a different level. And yeah, I, I agree. It's probably fight of the year so far. Better. I think the only thing that I think could go head to head with it right now is Valdez Burchelt. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think if um, I had to guess, but uh, yeah, dude, it was awesome. Um, I gotta say, I we, we you were you were all in on Castagna uh, when we were making predictions last week. I really wanted to pick him. I couldn't do it. I just I just thought that Charlo, that power would catch him. Um, just late in the fight, just the way he exposed you know in previous fights, the way he's exposed himself. I thought he'd take a couple of body shots, and then once you know once you work the body, the head will fall. Uh, he I, he fought about as perfect a fight as you can you can fight against someone of Charlo's ca- or caliber. I thought he did a great job. Like he, I was saying it last week. He does such a great job of cutting off the ring, and he did it. He did it against Charlo. Like I thought that Charlo would be able to work the jab and prevent him from doing that. He to me he dictated pretty much. I'd say seventy percent of the fight, and he just kept getting Charlo on the ropes, man, back well, up into corners. Uh, here, so here's here's the way I I saw it, and I saw I should saw we, an article we, on this. I guess I guess we should probably say the fight was it ended in a draw. I don't think we actually said that, but yeah, no, we we did not because yeah. I said oh. let's put let's put the judging aside for a second. Ah, uh, okay, but, yeah. all, right, all right, no, it did it, it okay. ended in a draw. Draw split yeah. split draw. Um, so the way it went down was for several of the rounds, Charlo actually would drew to your point, con- more or less control with the jab and then Castaño would come on in the last minute and steal it with just two or three flurries and combinations and a couple times he had he had Charlo a little little stunned um and let's let's before uh, let me stop you there though because this has been a hot debate on on Twitter while 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 we say flurries don't steal rounds Castagna's flurries were putting him ahead of landed punches in the round and putting him ahead on accuracy. Because I think that's important because a lot of people have been like, oh, a flurry doesn't win you a round. Right. And that's why a lot of pro Charlo won the fight people are like kind of banging down that door. But it's not like it was, oh, Charlo landed 20 punches and then Castagna came in the last minute and landed a quick 10. Like, that's not what we're saying when we say that. Yeah, so, so go ahead. No, no, no. Go, no. Back into, go back into your mode, baby. Great, great distinction because Charlo would probably get up like 12 to 5 and then in the last minute Castagna would go to like win the round like 12 to 15 or so or something like that, just like for an example. Um, yeah. So and and I read a headline where Castaño said that that was their game plan was basically just to like bide his time early in rounds and then just come in and take it just to try to negate some of the power and respect the power. So um, that was very interesting to watch that go down. Yeah. Um, and but Charlo did catch him a couple times and did stun him a couple times, and so it was 
I mean, it was highly competitive. Um, well, and to your and to your point, Castagne, did he he had Charlo? I thought he had Charlo hurt two or three times where Charlo took some hooks. And I said that last week. What I loved about Castagne was. He doesn't. His combinations aren't like the the one two man. He just like he throws in them hooks and works works the body. Does a little bit to the side of the head. Like I, I really like the way he fights. And uh, I again, I you know, I thought he had Charlo hurt. Yeah, to, in a couple and, and of those to rounds. Illustrate my point here. Um, Charlo landed fifty three jabs, eighteen per, and threw two eighty seven. Eighteen percent of his jabs he landed. Castanio yeah. landed nine jabs, five percent of his total jabs. <laughs> Conversely, the power punches were Castaño 164, Charlo 98. So, and, and, and Castaño landed more punches overall, 173 to 151, 30% to yeah. 28%. So, pretty pretty damn even. Um, and then round by round, I mean, I had the cards on this one for us. Um, 116, 112, is that what we had it? Did you guys have that what you had it? That's how I had it. Um, I had it. I think one fifteen, one thirteen, and I think you had Castagna. Right? Yes, and I think you gave yeah. Castagna one or one or two more rounds than I did. Um, I gave I gave Charlo the final two rounds, and I think I had it one fifteen, one thirteen. Okay, um, but the but now getting to the judges, um, boy, firstly, the the first WTF. The the one judge had it one seventeen to one eleven. Nelson Vasquez. Oh, like how's that even possible? For Charlo. Like for I could Charlo, see a right, one seven yeah. I could see a one seventeen one eleven for Castaño. Well here and I and I was I was on our man Dan uh Canobio's Twitter because I know he had a he had a tweet that I forgot to take a snapshot of. Uh Vasquez gave Charlo rounds four through six Despite the fact that Castaño outlanded him fifty nine thirty one over those three rounds, so I, I, I mean, utter, utterly embarrassing. Um, some of the guys we follow on Twitter had it like one sixteen one Charlo, and were so like just so uh, convinced that that was legit. I'm just I mean, like, I got how? My, I'm looking at the compu box right now. Charlo outlanded Castaño in seven, eight, right? Uh, I'm. Uh, wait, wait. I thought it was eight, eight of the twelve rounds. Charlo outlanded Castaño. What, what did I say? I, let me start over. Charlo outlanded Castaño in round two. Um, round nine, round ten, and round twelve. Yeah, yeah. So eight to four. Yeah, which again, you can't go strictly by that. Well, and plus they're they're not going by CompuBox like the the CompuBox the judges don't have when they're Correct. going through that. But I I didn't even I just don't even see where you could be watching those rounds and how you could give Charlo. I the only the only, and I and I like Charlo. I'm like dude. I I I'm all about his all access, all that stuff. I almost bought a Lions only T-shirt because I have nothing better to spend my money on than friggin' fighter fighter graphic tees and old school wrestling shit. Um, but like the only outcome I could see for him is the same thing with Lomachenko. The way he fought the fight, like was a draw. I couldn't like I I, I can't. I, when they said the one seventeen one eleven, I was like, is that real? Today is the is the announcer pulling a uh, hey uh, what do you call it? La La Land won the Emmy when it was really moonlight or whatever that was. Like I I thought he screwed up the the scorecard. Um, and then the other two guys had it one fifteen one thirteen for each fighter, and the guy who had Castano. 
115-113. Gave Charlo a 10-8. He gave Charlo a 10-8. Exactly. In the 10th. So in our um, Twitter, uh, uh, what do I want to say, Twitter ramblings with with our fellow fight fans here, shout out to Mike Kenna, who pointed this out to, to me originally. But, yeah, like you said, one guy, and I got the round here. It was round 10. Where, right? It was 10, yeah. Charlo outlanded Castaño 21-9. And that one judge gave it a 10-8 round to Charlo because they thought he dominated that much. That's 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 very uh, suspect, in my opinion. Well, I mean, and, Cast- and Castaño, but, yeah, because Castaño in round 5 outlanded Charlo 20-8. So, like, exactly. where's his 10-8? Where's his 10-8? Um, exactly. Exactly. So I, I hate today. Suspect, but that was the yeah. only guy who had Castaño winning the fight. Winning, and he gave yeah. it. And he gave a ten-eight round. That's yeah. absurd. Yeah, it really is. Um, I don't even. I I don't like ten-eight rounds. Period. Unless there's a knockout um, or a knockdown. That I don't. I just. I I don't know. I just don't like it in general. But yeah, the card. The cards were all screwy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what was so funny was after the twelfth. Well, and 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 Charlo's and you, you know, this I'm sure every trainer says this at some point, but like the last three rounds, Charlo's trainer was even telling him, "Bro, we got to win by knockout. We're behind on the cards. Yeah. Like we're behind." And they so didn't have the Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, they didn't. They did yeah. yeah, they didn't have Floyd Mayweather out there yelling at him that they're they're behind on the unofficial. Like the trainer just was like, "Yeah, we're we're definitely behind here." Yeah, the um, you need the knockout. Go for the knockout. Which he didn't even do. Like I don't. I didn't really think. One, I thought Castagna. I guess he maybe he should have fought harder because I thought he was taking too many chances in the twelfth round because I just thought he was comfortably ahead. Um, but Charlo did. To me, Charlo didn't even go in for the kill for the knockout in the twelfth round. Yeah. Um, like he wasn't passive, but he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't hitting him, knock him out. Yeah. And so um, the third judge had it one fourteen, one fourteen, just to close out that loop. So that's where the split draw came in. Yeah. Sorry, I messed that up. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Again, I thought Castagna fought about as perfect of a fight as you can. Yep. Which is why it's disappointing for everybody that's like, oh, you know, it's all right, it's a draw, like, blah, 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 blah. It's like, dude, like, that's, Castagna's not, like, Charlo's going to go on because a, of who he is. He has to go fight another perfect fight again. Yeah, exactly. Like, he already, he already did, know, he yeah. already hit, he already did it perfectly, like, probably the best he can yeah. one time. Now he has to do it again. Um, yeah, like, there's no, there's no real adjustments in my mind, that he can make. Like, he got himself off the line, which he doesn't his, like, He doesn't normally do. Um, like, all these... Basically, Charlo's the guy, because to me, Charlo's the guy that lost the fight. He's the one that's got to make the... He, he has all the adjustments to make. Like, I don't know what Castagna can do to get back in the ring with him and beat him. Uh, yeah. It's disappointing. I, I got... I've been... I really went off on people on Twitter when they were... Charlo came out with a statement yesterday, like... Saying like I don't want to, I don't want to become undisputed um, in a closed, controversial fashion. Like I want to earn it, this and that. And everybody was applauding him, like saying, "Oh, this is what a champion does." I'm just like, he, he, he's the guy that everyone thought lost the fight. Like, what's he? What, what, yeah. what is? What is he saying? He's not. He's not the guy that everyone was like, "Oh, this not guy the won the fight." Over. Yeah, like what? Like everyone's like praising I him for that response. That I'm, yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, bro, you, you lost awarded the fight. the fight that you lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like you lost that fight. Like or like, uh, yeah, it was frustrating. But yeah, to your to your to your first original point, hell of a fight. It was going on during game five. It was, it was five, right? The NBA four, finals. Four. Four. No, nah, it was five. It was game five. It was Saturday night, so it was game five. Okay. Um. 
And so, like, we're watching. I'm we have like the last four minutes. I have the last four minutes going on my iPad of the NBA Finals game, and I got the boxing going on on my T. And I'm just like, I, I can't even like watch the basketball game because I'm <laughs> so like, like the action was just great between those those uh, those two guys. So it certainly lived up to the hype. Um, oh, by the way, <laughs> um, Castanio is not six one. <laughs> Oh man, probably the most ridiculous blunder of our uh, of our forty forty ish episodes. No, we had a, another really bad one, which which escapes me. Um, but um, dude, so I so like okay, we're not pros here, right? So I'm just googling this stuff, and the link I I picked, I don't even know what website it was, but Drew's like, dude, everything is showing that cockgobblers dot com. Uh, everything. That is showing that Castani was like five six or five seven or whatever he was, and I'm like, I, I don't know. Like I, I, <laughs> I like went and found the link and sent it to Drew, and and then I started clicking on all the other ones, and I'm like, son of a bitch. I was bitch. like, I clicked on the one that clearly had it erroneous. Like, I thought it was I thought it was weird when it was like he's got like a five inch. Right, he's given up to seven inches, even though he's four yeah. inches taller. Like that's strange for the reach. Yeah. I was like, man, he's got some, I mean, I can relate with my T-Rex arms. I'm just like, okay, I guess that's something. Um, but yeah, Charlie, Charlie, yeah. Castagna is only five foot seven. So, uh, yeah, he was giving up a lot of size. Classic. There. Um, yeah, the undercard was fun. I, I've really, uh, that the rally guy, I've, I hate that. You guys are a dirt bag. I, I hope I hope Tank does get in the ring with that kid and just beat the shit out of him. I I love that kid. I don't know if you watched the undercard, but I don't think I did. I think I had something. Rally Romero. He's like a one thirty five. He's like a one thirty five er who he, he. I don't know if you remember. He lost the. He lost a. Uh, or he won. He was awarded a fight. Um, I think it was the Porter undercard where everybody was like, "Oh, he definitely lost that fight." Like Teddy Atlas was going on about it, and uh, there was a bunch of people back and forth. But he was a. Uh, after the fight, he was he was talking shit about Devin. He was calling Devin Haney the uh, the Amir Khan of the 135 division, and how he's an email champion. Meanwhile, in the weigh-in and during the fight, he's holding up his like fake interim like championship belt <laughs> with like pride. It's like, bro, like get out of here. He basically like was he like got he got deducted a point. He like speared his opponent into the corner after a knockdown. He's just like such a dirtbag. I hate this guy. Yeah, I think I saw a little bit of that. Yeah, so he's like uh, he's like Broner, but like not good, and like more of a douche. Yeah, yeah, a lot of power though, a lot of power. Um, uh, yeah, so I think we'll see. I the, the we're not going to get an automatic rematch. It looks like because the IBF of our, they've already ordered um, Charlo to Charlo fight to, mandatory. Charlo to fight to fight is mandatory. Yeah. So I don't even I don't um, even know the guy's name. <laughs> If that happens, they should get PBC should get Castagna to fight his next mandatory. Have them on the same card. Oh, that would be that good. way. Right after, right after that, they can they can then have a rematch That's if they uh, if they need to. Because I really don't know where either guy goes at fifty four. Because I don't yeah, think Castagna. Where, where do you go? They've already fought well, everybody. Cast- yeah, and Castagna like Castagna is not big enough to move up to one sixty, in my opinion. Um, so he needs to stay at 54, get some more fights, make some money. Charlo won't move up to 160 because he's not going to fight his, his brother. brother. And it's like, yeah. what's a, so, what, so what's the point? Um, and the only viable opponent for Charlo is if Spence moves up, but they've got the same trainer. So not Spence. Yeah, yeah, Spence. Um, they've got the same trainer, so they're not going to fight each other. So I don't really know where either of them go after this. Um, 
unless again, unless Jamal Jamal decides to move up to 168. Um, so we'll see. Like I said, it was a. Uh, and for everyone on Twitter that's like, just enjoy the fight, this, this, and this, we, we're allowed to enjoy the fight that we spent our money on and spent our time watching and still be pissed about the judging. So, um... Preach, son. Yeah. Preach. That's right. I hate this nonsense where it's like, people try to like, use... Yeah, I know. They try to, they try, they try to turn everything into it? like... It's like, uh... Yeah, That's the whole point of being I, a fan yeah. is that you care about how you don't just sit yeah. there and like eat your ice cream like a doofus. No, fighting, oh yeah. yay! Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, I would just watch. You know, I would just watch it next week on. Well, it was free. It was free, so it wasn't pay per view. But you know, I would just watch it on replay yeah. like a week later and not care. Anyway, um, speak, speaking of um, where do we go from there? We got uh, just some quick hitter other boxing news. Um, speaking of, you can't say Spence without. Talking about Bud Crawford, and Crawford, Crawford finally has an opponent. Well, hypothetically, I thought they, I thought they, or they ordered it, but it. I mean, it doesn't. There's been plenty of mandated uh, fights that haven't gone down. Okay, well, our but, uh, uh, favorite of the pod, our, uh, Sean Porter. So, Showtime, Sean Porter. So, Bud, Bud we, Crawford, we love Bud, we love Sean, and now. They're gonna get it on, I guess. So no, no. It's date. gonna be awesome. No date yet, right? I no. Um, they were eyeing October twenty third for a fight for Crawford, so that's kind of the area where we think it might happen. I think Top Rank is still somewhat hoping they can use their December ninth, which I think is the Heisman uh, weekend. I think they're still hoping to use that for Loma Lopez too. So I think this will go down first. I was say, will Lopez uh, fight Combosis before uh, Crawford? Who cares? Gets back in there? No, he's <laughs> no, he's going to vacate that title. Um, I can't wait. I hope it's in LA at Staples. We're going. Uh, I don't care where it is, unless it's in like Dubai or somewhere where we can't travel, or I don't even know where that is on a map. Um, it's going to be an awesome fight. We love both of those guys. Uh, they're the two best, two of the four, two of the, the you know, the, the real four kings, um, if we're going to use the word kings, of the welterweight division. Maybe Seton Hall will play at Creighton and they'll fight in Omaha Ooh. in Bud's, Bud's backyard and then we can make it a twofer. That would be pretty uh, pretty sweet. I love twofers. Um, yeah, so stay tuned. That that broke late last night, uh, which was super cool, and uh, it's good. It was it was good considering it was a little this this weekend's a little uh, disappointing since we were supposed to get Fury Wilder three on Saturday that we're now not going to get. Uh, what other uh, what other news? Whether you you sick Joshua official? Right? Uh, yeah, it's a fi- it's been rumored. Uh, finally signed. Both guys have signed the contracts. Um, in wherever we said that jo- or um, Josh Taylor's from, uh, I guess tart the tart. Wherever the hell it is, uh, he's Scottish, Usyk, isn't he? Yeah, it's somewhere, somewhere in the UK. Um, Joshua Usyk, September twenty fifth. It's in a sixty thousand fan stadium somewhere in uh, in the UK. I'm excited for it. I I know I keep saying I know you're not a Usyk guy. Um, I, he's going to dance I, around, I, and and I know Dan Canobio uh, uh, said that uh, Joshua is going to jab him gonna... to death. I don't see that happening, quite honestly. I, I think he, I think Usyk's going to be too late on his feet. Um, uh, if that thing doesn't go twelve rounds, I'd be shocked. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, and uh, and it's rumored that Papachenko is going to be in his corner for uh, 
for this fight. So you know, if that we'll see. Go Twelve uh, rounds, I'd be shocked. Yeah, the only uh, the only, again the only thing, and I'm a big Usyk. It's I think it's Usyk, whatever. Uh, I'm a big. They don't pay me to pronounce things, right? I'm a big Usyk guy. I just I think the I think the key to getting to Joshua is to to screw with him, to get him out of his game plan to doing that jab and engage with you so that. That's where he's susceptible. We've seen it in a number of fights for him, where he goes, he goes to a slugfest and he gets caught, and that's where he gets hurt. Um, so the big question is, over the na- over since his last fight until this fight, does Usyk somehow develop the strength to get some pop? Because that's kind of his, that's kind of yeah. his, um, that's his one, his flaw uh, that's his flawed heavy, it's his flawed heavyweight. Yeah, because he's just a natural cruiserweight. So. Yeah. But, I mean, he cleaned out the division. He was undisputed, won the Ali Trophy, beat Bellew. Like, there was nothing else to yeah, do, he's so he got to move he, up. No, I mean, uh, it, look, it's not like I dislike him. It's just at, at heavyweight, he's he, he doesn't really yeah. tickle my balls well, that's why, you know, That's why I love some of these guys. Like, a lot of, I know there's a lot of hate on the Ukrainian guys and some of the European guys. Um, because of the emphasis they put on their amateur background, but do these guys just want to fight? They want to fight the best. They want to fight champions. Like Usyk could just fight like no, like you know, nobody's at heavyweight for like three or four fights, cash in money, and then you know, then he could do his you know, um, exercises mandatory against Joshua, and then fight him. But he's like, nah, I, you know, I'm gonna do it now. Like, why do I? I don't need to wait. I'm confident that I, I'm gonna. I want to be the world champion. Yeah. You know, not a lot of guys. But he would go fight. Uh, what's his name? Wallen, like those those yeah. guys that Fury fought with pre Wilder, like Ortiz, like just like you know what I mean. Like nobody's. Um, but that's not what these guys are about. Yep. So they, you know, they want to do their thing. So I'm excited for that. That'll be a good. Uh, well, that'll probably be a, that'll be a zone fight. So we already subscribed under the Two Beers Pod account. So um, was there a third fight that you wanted to mention real quick? Was it? Uh, no. There's only, those are the only two fights that have been. I thought there something else got a date, but um, no, just five Fury Wilder getting uh, gotcha, okay, getting pushed. I don't think so. Did some get a Oscar Del Hoya got a got a date? I forget when that is, but he's fighting. Yeah, nobody cares about that. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, and, and Logan Paul and so I don't know. I don't know anything about the UFC, so I don't know who the Silva guy is, but. Apparently those two are, those two are going to fight. I'm not going to say nobody cares about that because apparently a lot of people care about that, but we don't care about that. We don't. So um, you know what I, you know what you know what we do care about? Hockey. The one on skates. It's my favorite topic. Oh yeah. Um, so that's where guest Casey is going to come in um, because even though we're in post Stanley Cup mode, uh, we have a new team. That was weak. That was weak audio. <laughs> oh, I thought it was good. I, I, I heard it good. Release the Kraken, baby. The oh, Kraken. So, um, pretty much, I, I, I fell asleep. I didn't even see the ESPN broadcast, but I guess apparently if they would have just held up a cell phone with that audio, would have been a better product, Casey? Uh, <laughs> yes. It, <laughs> it, it, so... ESPN's finally getting, I don't know, I don't even want to use finally. That makes it sound like I wanted them to get the NHL back. (laughs) Um, So they're getting the NHL back. And this was their first or, you know, reintroduction to the league, to all of its fans like us. And to say that it came up short 
is doing it a complete disservice with how short it actually came. <laughs> now you're now you're just being mean with these Gov Prom Night references. <laughs> now they're just now 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 they're we're just looking for excuses to put them in here. I mean, so I've I've only been to Seattle once for I think it was for one night while we were like before going on a on a cruise or something leaving out of Seattle. So I don't want to like talk necessarily bad about the city because I've never, you know, I don't have the the experience anyway. But they ESPN tried so hard to just showcase all of the touristy things that you can do while you're in Seattle. And they did all these pre-recorded segments with Kevin Weeks. Like, he was at the Space Needle, and then he was at the aquarium, and then he was at the famous fish market, and they were doing picks. Basically, like, when Wheel of Fortune goes on tour, and yeah. they, like, show all, like, the crappy tourist spots, and they that, that was basically the broadcast. Yeah, but then they did picks from those locations. At least we get Vanna White, you know, when they from those locations. Yeah, it, this, this was, like... Just it, the the one that that was bizarre to me was he was at the aquarium and he was standing in front of one of those giant you know fish tanks or whatever, and this diver comes in and he's able supposedly he's able to like talk to this person through a microphone or speak or whatever it's like and they're like oh blah 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 and they have this really corny exchange and then. It, He's like, oh, well, release the, or, like, un- unveil the pick or whatever. And this person's underwater with a whiteboard, and they flip the whiteboard over and reveal the name. I'm like, okay. Then the next one, it, they were at the fish market, <laughs> you know, so I'm sure you've all seen the videos anyway of, like, you know, the guys throwing they fish throw the from, fish, like, 35 yards? Yeah. 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 So they did that, and they had taped or stuck a card or whatever inside the fish, so they throw it to Kevin or to some guy or whatever that was nearby, and he pulls out the card and goes, oh, look, here's who the Kraken select from whatever team it was. It was the most awkward and just terrible thing <laughs> that I have watched hockey-related-wise in I don't even know how long. Like, the Chris Fowler of what college game day fame? Yeah, yeah. He was the main host... He didn't even know, say- like, the friggin' team's names that, that he was <laughs> introducing. Oh, my gosh. I mean, for... for so they, they uh, literally would have been better off having Davy Jones just, like, announce this entire thing. Yeah. Yeah, this... <laughs> they... Did they try and make it look like a college game day atmosphere? Yeah. Yeah, they did it in some, like, industrial setting or something. I don't know. I'm sure it has some significance to the area. Again, I'm not I'm not going to talk smack on the, on the city, necessarily. Um, you know, unless we're talking about the NFL and then, you know, whatever, um, screw all of their 12s. But anyway. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> but yeah, they did. They you? had the, this whole park or whatever was all filled with people and everything. Everybody that came out, they had all these Seattle legends that they kept calling them. They just, they overused the term Seattle legend. So they brought out some current Seattle Mariner. Couldn't even tell you who it was. Um, they brought Ichiro. Is he still playing? Yeah, maybe. Uh, oh my gosh! 
Richie <laughs> Sexton. Yeah. Still wouldn't trade for him. Uh, shout out to Adam there. <laughs> oh, it's an inside joke on a terrible uh, fantasy trade from like about 15 years ago. Yeah, it, Richie's, Richie Sexton straight up for each row. Um, anyway, um, it was bad then, it's bad now. But they... Um, <laughs> Yeah, like Chris Fowler's out there, and he goes, I'll get back to the Legends thing in a second, because the the Fowler thing has just been irking me all day. He, at one point, he called the Carolina Hurricanes the Carolina Panthers. (laughs) Which... Can we just talk about NFL, please? It was... That that basically would have been the equivalent of me doing the draft, because I have no idea these teams were. So, that set off... I mean, it was one of those things, like, you hear it, and you go, that's not right. And then, wait, did I hear that? There's no way that, like, this, this guy's getting paid to, to screw up, you know, that something that bad. Uh, and then uh, I'm refreshing my, you know, my Twitter feed and all this stuff, and all of a sudden the Carolina Panthers, they pop up in my feed, and they had changed their profile picture from, you know, the Panther logo to the Hurricane logo, <laughs> but with the Panthers colors, so that teal and black... <laughs> Oh my gosh! And then uh, I think it was the Hurricanes. They changed their profile picture from the red and black Hurricane logo to just like a crudely drawn Panther logo, like just <laughs> <laughs> just like a like a sketch, like a, like a pencil figure. sketch. Yeah, it was. That's great. <laughs> so then they were going back and forth, uh, you know, kind of making light of it and all that stuff. So it was it was funny from that standpoint. But then. You know, they went by division to release the the picks or whatever. So they get out to the you know, the uh, the Pacific division, and Fowler with the first pick out of the out of the Pacific, he goes, "Oh, and the Kraken, you know, are going to select so and so from the Anaheim Mighty Ducks." And I'm like, "They haven't been the Mighty Ducks for like how long now? Ten years? <laughs> yeah, like since what are what are they now? They're just, just the ducks." ducks. Oh, oh, I mean, eh. so I mean, they probably did him a favor. Like they haven't been the Mighty Ducks since ESPN last had hockey. Was kind of like the crack <laughs> yeah, I made yeah, about yeah. it, you know. <laughs> That's fun. They didn't. They didn't update their Rolodex of all the teams in there. Yeah, like oh, who's who's Nat? Like who are all these other you know random teams that are around <laughs> now? Like oh, Dallas is a thing. You know, they they're not yeah. Minnesota anymore, but. So with the legends thing, so they at one point they trot out um, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, and of course like Supersonics fame and all that kind of stuff, and you know not being a big NBA guy, but I clearly remember you know those two like just being dominant you know players back in their day. The the worst business fail I think of all time is Kemp opening up. A marijuana store and not calling it Kemp's Hemp. <laughs> what, whatever, whatever, whoever he's paying to be his like advertising marketing team, he's fucking wasting his money. That like I thought of that immediately when I saw him. I was like, God, oh, it's definitely what he's calling it. It's not. I'm like, yeah, what, what, he what, what a whiff. <sighs> Huge strikeout. Continue. So they bring they bring those two out to to introduce. I think it was two or three picks and. I think the picks were were Quenville from I think it was from Chicago. Don't Chicago. don't quote yeah. me or whatever. Yeah, um, and I think Don Scoy from Colorado. And they, I, I could I mean, I'm not I'm not even going to try and pronounce how they pronounced it because I wouldn't do it justice of how badly they pronounced it. <laughs> it was just like 
you couldn't give these guys a pronoun. Like they had cards. Like they had index cards. They didn't just say, you know, like but they didn't prep them as they walked out on stage and said, "Hey, just try and remember this, you know, sort of complicated right. name or whatever." They had index cards. You you can't just print out like a pronouncer on it for them. So yeah, they, like a like a phonetic. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> It, there was that, and then, you know, they do another one of these weird, you know, touristy segments or whatever, and they go back to Kevin Weeks, and he's there with Marshawn Lynch, and, of course, Marshawn's doing his typical, you know, Marshawn stuff, he's entertaining, he's funny, he's, you know, whatever, he's, you know, he's, he's an interesting fellow, obviously, and he had, I think it was Callie Yarncroke from yeah, Nashville, Callie Yarncroke, yeah. mm-hmm. and he didn't even attempt Yarncroke's last name. <laughs> Didn't even, didn't even, he was just like, you could see it, he looked at it. Marshawn Lynch is the one guy I'll give a pass for that. Yeah, but it was just like that on top. He was after, like, Peyton and Kemp and all these other mispronunciations and wrong team names and all this other stuff. So it it gets to that point, and he's just like, my boy, Callie, Callie, what's up, my boy? And, like, just all this kind of stuff. And he never (laughs) once even attempted yarn croak, and that was, like, the funniest part of it to me. So, I think the other the other weird thing that they kept trying to do was uh, like Dom. Well, Dominic Moore was the analyst. So every pick, you know, it's oh Seattle selects you know from Pittsburgh Brandon Tanev, and then they wrote in you know like a very quick like thirty second you know highlight package of of uh, of Tanev and Dominic Moore speaking over it, explaining who he is, what he brings to the team, you know his his different attributes, all that kind of stuff. He ran out of attributes after about the fourth pick because it was all these guys. You're like, you're like, everybody that was looking at it was like, who's this guy? Like, who? Like, what? This guy's played like, oh, he's played eight NHL games, but he's shown a lot of promise in his short time in the league, and he's going to bring X, Y, and Z. And he just repeated the same thing over and over so, and over so that's, again. So that's where I want to get into the analysis of the picks right here, because you bring up a point. Because I, I, like I said, I didn't watch the broadcast, and so I was reviewing over the picks this morning, and I'm like looking at these names, and I'm like. I'm like, half of these picks say we'll slot in in the bottom six. I'm like, there's about a dozen guys they say can slot in in the bottom six. So last time I checked, six was six. So I don't know where the other ten guys that they, they say are going to slot in there, are gonna, what they're going to do with them. But um, my goodness, this team does – I mean, spoiler alert, uh, this, this team does not look like it is ready – to, to compete and um, which is just crazy because after I mean we just saw Vegas a couple years ago you know take these rules to their advantage build this great team very competitive right off the bat I mean they've been to what one or two 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 or one three that, conference finals and one Stanley Cup it's two conference I think finals two conference finals I think two conference finals and one Stanley Cup yeah. I mean. So, so here's the team. Um, I got it here. Jordan Eberle, uh, Yanni Gord, which Yanni Gord actually a good pick because he just had a really good playoffs with Tampa Bay. It is, but uh, he's out until at least like November or something. Yeah, yeah, he has his surgery. <laughs> Jonas Donskoy, uh, Brandon Tanev, Jared McCann, Cal Yonkroak, Mason Appleton, Nathan Bastian, Colin Blackwell, and Carson Tor- Torinsky for the forwards. 
The defenseman, Mark Giordano, good player, but he's he's uh, up after one year. Well, he's 37, he, too. Yeah, yeah, I know he's ancient, but he's he's a decent player. But uh, Jamie Alexiak, um, who actually has five years left on his deal, 6'7", monster on the D. He actually just signed that contract with them. With them, yeah. Uh, Adam Larson, Carson uh, Susie, South. Uh, I thought it was Susie or South. Yeah. Yeah. Hayden Flurry, Curtis Mc, McDermott, Jeremy Lousen, Vince Dunn, young prospect. Who, actually, they have to sign. I think he's a restricted free agent. Yeah. Uh, William Borgen, Dennis Chalowski. Goalies, you know, I'll give him credit for the goalies. Chris, uh, is it Dr- Drieger? Drieger, okay. I always I always mispronounce that. And then Vitek Venacek. Um So at least the goalie tandem looks like it's kind of young and promising, young-ish. Um, Emphasis on ish. I think Drieger's twenty. I think they're both like twenty-six. Like he's, let's, they're uh, not prospects per se. Drieger's, but... Drieger's twenty-seven and Vanacek's twenty-five. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at this. I will say the one thing is. Um, oh, this updated today, but earlier today it said $28 million in cap space. Now it says $30 million in cap space. Yeah, they made a – they flipped uh, – what's his face? Uh, Pitlick <laughs> already. Sent them Pitlick, to okay, Calgary. okay. Are you, about, are you about to go from saying that they don't look very competitive to just reading off a bunch of names that I didn't know anybody <laughs> of to say they're going to compete? Is that what you're about to do? No, no. I'm, oh. no, no, no I'm <laughs> I thought you were about to do I'm that. The, I was going to say. One thing, no, the, the one thing I'm giving them is that they created cap space for themselves at 30 million and the draft is coming up and free agency so i mean maybe that's their angle but like I, am i crazy like i they're gonna if you're a free agent why would you go, go to seattle like you, they would ha- it would have to be a ton of money they, they're gonna have to overpay any free agent right it, well you would think and so i think would kind of have to back this up again and look at it because you mentioned Vegas, obviously, because it's a, the most direct comparison that we that we have. No one, I think, there's a couple of different factors that we need to to kind of throw out there. One is that we're dealing with a flat cap right now for conceivably for at least another maybe two, even three years or so. Two, from yeah. some what people are saying, at least two, yeah. So. I don't think you're going to see Seattle go completely hog wild in free agency because they don't have the luxury of getting potentially, you know, some relief from a bad deal because the cap goes up. You know, so like whatever they're at right now is what they're going to be at 2 3 years from now depending on what happens, you know, with the with the cap and over the the next, you know, 2 3 years. So the advantage that Vegas had was the cap didn't stay flat. And second, no one knew what was going to happen with Vegas coming in. This was a brand new thing for almost all of these, you know, GMs out there. Like they hadn't been through the expansions that saw, you know, yeah. Nashville and Columbus or even you know, back further with Ottawa and Anaheim and whatever, Tampa. Um, so Vegas and, and to George McPhee's credit pinched, all of these different teams like he just basically bent them over a barrel and said well, I'm going to take you know these guys or whatever <laughs> unless you give us all these different assets yeah so Which the pe- bent the him penguins- over the barrel and showed him the 50 states yeah the, the penguins got pinched on that they had to send they they had to say please take uh, I forget who it was but Flurry. please take this 
Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, all right, please just take Flurry and, and here, take this draft pick as well. Yeah, because it was either it was either that or they were going to lose. I think Brian Rust was the other guy that was left exposed or something at the time, or it was someone of that of that nature anyway. Yeah. Um, either way, I think they were going to have to either expose Murray or Flurry, and then they kept. They ended up not exposing Murray, and then getting sending assets anyway to Vegas so that they would take Flurry. Yeah, I just remember thinking like they took the player I didn't want them to take, obviously Flurry, and then like we also gave them a draft pick, and I was like, why? Please just, just make it stop. Yeah. So this time around, now GMs had you know I think it was four years to plan for this, and. I don't remember, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't remember seeing the types of trades that happened this year prior to Seattle being able to, you know, start claiming players. So, for example, Pittsburgh sending McCann to Toronto for a prospect and a pick so that Toronto could expose McCann and keep their main roster intact. So instead, they basically gave Pittsburgh the assets and they didn't give it to Seattle. If yeah. that if that makes sense. Yeah, that didn't happen the first time around. No, everybody was giving the assets to Vegas in order to determine and and basically like say no, take this guy and we'll give you whatever. In yeah. so Vegas we'll was able to deal. yeah, so Vegas was able to amass a better roster plus all of these draft picks, and then I think it was the next year. When it came down to the deadline, Thomas Tatar, from formerly of Detroit, was like one of the big hot commodities at the deadline. And the package, you know, was rumored, you know, whatever, a couple of picks or that kind of thing. And Vegas came in and was like, whatever, we have money to burn. You know, that's just burning a hole in our pocket. So here, Detroit, here's a first, a second, and a third. You know, is is Tatar good? Yes. You know, would I like to see him on the Penguins? You know, sure. However, would I want to see my team give up a first, a second, and a third for him? No, unless I had a surplus of picks that Vegas had that they didn't care about. So, from that standpoint, that's how Vegas has been able to be as good as they have been for the first four years, is that all these other factors kind of played in. So then you fast forward to this year, everybody's learned what Vegas did. They've seen this act. And this time they're like, yeah, we don't care. You know, here we're just going to trade amongst ourselves. You know, Pittsburgh, yeah. Toronto, to to give whatever. And none of the and maybe there are other side deals out there. There were supposedly rumors that were flying around from all the big, you know, Canadian guys last night that there were going to be a bunch of side deals that were going to be announced around one o'clock today. The only one that was announced was Pitlick got sent to Calgary for a fourth round pick. I, don't, I think it's even next year. So there's not anything that's out there saying, hey. Ron Francis is doing, you know, a George McPhee, and he's getting all these assets, and Seattle's going to be some massive team here. So, Ron Francis. <laughs> I feel I is that that's somebody I would have used in NHL '96, yep. right? I know that name. Yeah, former Good job, Drew. Good job. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so yeah, so basically, just. To summarize, we've been through the broadcast, we've been through the roster composition. It's it's just a dumpster fire at this point. Yeah, and I so. think I think what you end up are, are going to end up having here is that Seattle is going to bank 
on the, the fact that teams are going to, because of the flat cap, that teams are going to be in a bad cap situation where they're going to be able to come in and pounce because they're going to have that space. So I think you're, what they're... And, what their angle is going to end up being is in the trade market, not so much the free agency market, because you know where we see you know a lot of teams get into trouble with the cap is by overpaying guys, like usually with term, you know, over six, seven years or whatever, just inflated money and free agency and all that stuff. Where where Seattle could come in and say, hey, we'll give you a pick or whatever, and you give us you know this decent player to kind of round out their roster yeah you know they're deep yeah. on defense that's, that's got to be the their their strategy just get aggressive in trade market you know the, defensively i think they're okay you know they've got I know what they have to trade but i mean yeah i mean they've got a surplus in defense they don't have a ton of goal scorers that maybe you know outside of don score potentially and, and everly um but defense wise they're, they're pretty pretty good from that standpoint goaltending's probably good enough and uh that division isn't exactly great outside of vegas and you know if you want to throw edmonton in there but they're just going to choke it away in the playoffs like they do every year anyway because their front office is like you know the most inept front office in the league potentially yeah and now next year do we go back to the old the regular division well i guess yeah yeah all right, they're they're gonna go back. Good memory, year, okay. I'm proud of you. <laughs> hey man, I pay I pay attention. Um, so so again, my using my segue is a dumpster fire. Um, and uh, I, I'm thinking you're gonna agree with me on this, but maybe not. I, I've seen them getting a lot of praise for these jerseys, these mm-hmm. sweaters. Oh, I haven't seen them yet. I'm gonna Google it right now. Yeah, they have a they have a Twitter out there, Drew. Casey, what's what's your opinion in these sweaters? So, I l- they still call them sweaters. Yeah. Do you know why? Because they used to wear sweaters. There you go. <laughs> I'm fucking on fire today, boys. I am on fire. God. You, you always ask me questions, so I had just like you know slip one in. I'm there like anyway. I'm like I'm like a closet hockey fan. I just pretend like I don't know anything, so like Jo can feel special about something on this podcast that he knows more about than me. So. I mean, I it, when it comes to these like to these sweaters anyway, I do, I do like the like the road white. I feel like it's like very clean looking and very sharp looking. The oh, I dig these blue. I dig I dig this blue. The the home blue, I'm okay with, except for like the weird red stripe that's on the sleeve. Like it just doesn't. I know there's a red eye in the in the S, you know, for the logo, and I don't know if that's what they're going for from the colors. Oh, it is just, that supposed to look like? That looks. That's supposed to look like an octopus's arm, huh? That S. The kraken. Yeah. I was gonna say, there's no crack. There's not a kraken on here. Why is there a friggin' anchor on their sleeve, but not a kraken? That I, I just I realized know. now that that. So is that that's the kraken's eye? That that red thing in the S. That's how I took it. Yeah. I hate it even so it's more. A, it's an eye and an arm. I, it looks like I thought it was what? like an arm. That the, the look. So there. If you haven't seen it, Google it. Look it up on Twitter. It's 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 a I, stupid looking S on. The I the dig jersey, the colors. And that's it. I dig the colors. I just yes. I don't know why I, you I, wouldn't have made like why would you not have made an angry looking kraken and put that on yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's an S that's like kind of maybe suggesting that it's a kraken's arm, but like Casey said, maybe that's the kraken's eye up there in the red. 
Uh, it is. It is. It's, oh, it totally. It totally is. I mean, it's it totally it's is. shaped like a menacing eye. It, it's probably, I was going to say, it's supposed to be like an evil eye. That's what it is. But, but that's but just But how is the stupider. Kraken's body shaped so stupidly? Like, how is, how is it, like, where are the rest of the arms? Like, <laughs> I, I, are the, like, I wonder if these are hot. Like, is it a slug? Like, what? <laughs> it is. Hold so on, I'm texting, I got I'm texting you guys this picture because I can't tell if these are actual hockey players that were drafted on the team or just a bunch of jerk offs with Jo's haircut <laughs> that they use to like model model these jerseys no, the or sweaters. Those ones where they're out standing by the river or whatever, Drew. Uh, they're I guess they're I assume they're in this big the big uh, globey thing that Seattle's famous for. The Space Needle. Yeah, the Space Needle. That's it. Here's the text. Is that are those yeah, actual yeah, hockey players? Yeah, those are them. Oh, okay, gotcha. Look at, gotcha. Tanev didn't see a ghost, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those Great. are those are. Yeah, I, sucky it, sweaters. I'm 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 throwing them straight in the trash. I'm sorry. You get you get you get a you get a zero stars from me. Like the, like zero star zero two zero two bruise. I not two bruise. No bruise. You had. Like just so many Ugh. opportunities for something cool with the Kraken, and it's just like you come up with, with this ridiculous. Edit. They could have they could have had the mouth open with all the teeth and the S, like the tongue could have been like an S. Uh, there, five seconds. We came up with something. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Boom! Uh, Boom! I mean, you could have had Johnny. You could have had a Johnny Depp popping out of it in like the road alternate, or like like a ship being cr- cracked in half on the alternates, like a million Oof. things, like. A million things. Yeah, yeah I can't. Whatever. I can't wait for them to do. Like, we should. A reverse. We we need to cop. We need to copyright that image immediately, and then when they come up with the idea, we cash in. I mean, I'm just gonna. I'm just. We'll, I'm just gonna we'll be I, an artist and, and, and hope. I just. I just. Thing. I just want to be a patent troll from now on and just get paid easy money to be the troll. Uh, all right. Um. Well, the only other thing I wanted to cover right. here, um, Casey, was um, oh. The um, the arena. Mm-hmm. So, in my mind, I, I kind of went down this path, and I'm like, okay, where are they playing? And their arena is going to be, um, the the um, oh shoot, the climate climate pledge arena. Yeah, the climate pledge arena. Which, not gonna lie, read that at first and just immediately started laughing, but. <laughs> Started reading up on it, and Amazon bought the naming rights and wanted to promote, you know, the climate pledge that said basically they're going to beat the Paris Accord by ten years and all this stuff, and they're getting all these nations to sign on to it and everything. All right, that's cool, whatever. Um, it's actually the old Supersonics Arena mm-hmm. that is being refurbished. They put the city put frickin' and the city and invest and investors put frickin' one point one five billion into into an arena, an existing arena. Like wow. knock it down and put up a new one for that price. Like <laughs> wow. I I said although with based on Seattle prices, they probably just power washed it and gave it new paint, and that was that was probably all they got done for one point one five billion. But like oh oh boy um. I, I like that they use the old arena because you know that's something fans could kind of like, kind of hook into. Not to, you know, further the uh, Kraken um, assemblies, but 
It's just... I, I'm The name threw me off, and the price tag threw me off, and I'm just like, come again? Yeah, the... Maybe they should have put that $1.15 billion towards fighting climate, <laughs> climate change. <laughs> let's, let's build this... Oh, so the thing about the arena is is that it is um, it is a carbon neutral. So they threw, like, solar fields both on-site and off-site and stuff like that. So it is it is the world's first carbon neutral arena. Um, that's, that's their big thing, so... And I guess maybe that was the price tag, but like I said, geez, for that price. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't do a ton of research. Because like, to me, like an arena is an arena is, you know, an arena for the most part. I, lo- I, I, I love old, old crazy arenas. Oh, so I mean, I, it, to me, like Fenway Park, if that ever comes down, I will, I will be completely inconsolable because of... You know, having been to that park, you know, many times as a kid and everything, and into adulthood and all that sort of stuff, like that's that's like my number one, you know, sort of thing. And um, you know, a year, two years ago, before COVID, we were able to go over to, to England to go watch a soccer game at, at um, you know at Goodison Park where Everton play. And it's just that that whole historical sense that like you walk into those old buildings and just all the moments that happened there. You know, like the it's corny, but you know, like the ghosts of all those former plays and players and all that kind of stuff. You can almost sense it. Um, so, like when even here in Pittsburgh, when they tore down the Civic Arena and they put up, you know, then Console now PPG, you lost that. Like there was a character about, you know, and I'm sure you understand. That's what this. I'm saying, and, and that's why I kind of liked that it was the the, the previous arena. Um, yeah. So. That, Pretty cool. that one billion though, I had to do a double take on that too. I'm like, Wait, is that is that accurate? <laughs> is that a B? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll we'll see where where it goes from here. Um. Casey, thanks for enlightening us on on the the dumpster fire of the ESPN broadcast. Yeah. Really. Uh. Really hope they get their act together before the season starts here because if. If that's what we have to expect, then uh, I think we're all <laughs> we're all in for a very rough ride. Yeah, yeah. Hockey on ESPN, yay! Um, all right. On that note, um, Drew, let's let's you know we we've been doing the two for one, um, you know, side podcast. That was a big success for us. I congratulate you and Tori for just you know kicking ass and taking names on there. Tori, much appreciated. Tori made. Hey, don't shortchange. Don't shortchange yourself. We're only we're only as good as the guy facilitating. Um, well, you did have two two episodes without me as I was dealing with stuff, but um, not nah, highest rated episodes. <laughs> Tori um, did the uh, did great on the predictions. Um, you, you were you were really good, um, and that's why I wanted. You know, you guys to have that space because you guys are just money on the NBA. So that was that was awesome. I hope everybody enjoyed those. Um, you know, that that was that was a lot of fun. Um, but just just to recap here for the regular, uh, you know, two beers podcast. Um, you know, Bucks and Six they had their parade today. Brandon Jennings was the legend. Um, most most confusing thing ever. <laughs> this like Brandon Jennings Love thing best. that's happened yeah. to all of us. I don't. I, I don't think he ever even won a playoff game. I don't think they even won a playoff game. Well, I, Maybe think, I think that's why like Milwaukeeans kind of loved him, just because he was there in the tough times. 
played like five years. Like I, I, I know. I, yeah. I, I don't get. I made we made. I was we made a joke in a side chat today. I was like, you want to know what's really telling? I was like, DJ Augustine is still playing in the league, and Brandon Jennings isn't. Right. That's all you need exactly. to know. <laughs> oh man, that's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. So at least P, PJ Tucker's still uh, probably throwing up all the champagne he was guzzling out there today. Yeah. So sorry, I cut you off. I just no, the, you're the Brandon good. Jennings. Just, um, the Jennings thing is just like. The day I'll never forget the day he got drafted. He didn't go. He wasn't at the draft live initially. I think because like he was where he didn't want to be the guy that like was sitting in the green room not having his name called. Then he got picked. Then he did get picked like eighth. He showed up like a half hour late and then like walked up on the stage randomly when somebody else had gotten drafted to get his hat and do the handshake. I'll never forget this. His 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 career now has ended officially. As oddly as it started, <laughs> I digress. I digress. Uh, no, but um, you know, you, you just want to touch on on uh, you know the the finals and any any yeah, man. Final listen, it was a uh, you know I I really enjoyed it. I think this was probably this was probably my favorite final since I, I, I did enjoy, even though it was you know just two loaded teams you knew we were going to play. The the first Durant Warriors Lebron Cleveland Finals was awesome, and I was at Game One there, so that was pretty dope. Um, but it was really these games were good. Um, some of them, you know, they ended up being like twenty point games just because of how momentum shifts went. Uh, you know, the Suns are going to be kicking themselves, man. They they had them in Game Four. The Bucks just didn't seem interested to win that game. They were in control, and you know Booker puts up a forty spot, and Chris Paul just you know I hate to I hate to just keep adding on the shit onto the the or Chris Paul choke bandwagon, but he just didn't show up, man. All they not even for a quarter, so um, they just needed him for a couple of minutes, and they could have pulled away, went up three one, and just stepped on the throat of Milwaukee. And they couldn't do it. And then uh, game five, you know, they shoot. They're the first team ever in NBA history to shoot over 50 from from the field and 60% from three and lose a game and at home. So they're going to look back at a huge missed opportunity. Um, the Bucks, you know, people can say what they want about Brooklyn being hurt. I'm one of them. Uh, you know, I was, I was shitting on them that they – I didn't think they would have won the series. But that happens. Injuries are part of the game. They took advantage of everything. Uh, they collected themselves after Giannis got hurt against the Hawks, won two games, and then just won four straight in the finals, man, with a coach that I don't think is very good um, as far as adjustments. You know, I know he did make some adjustments in the finals, but the fact that it took him this long to realize, hey, let me just put Giannis in a pick and roll, and he's unguardable, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and now they're only one of five teams that ever come back down 2-0. So... Really cool. Uh, Giannis, it's a cool story. The guy, you know, he could have pulled – and people yeah, – whatever. He could have pulled the power play like everybody else does. Like, I'm not signing my extension. You know, you guys you guys show me what you're going to do. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I can go do whatever I want. Um, I won't commit, and then you won't be able to sign. Like, that's what some players understand. Like, when you don't commit, you're not going to bring in free agents because why would somebody go sign a four-year deal in Milwaukee – if Giannis isn't going to be there, and, be, you know? and then beat um, Kevin Love stuck in Cleveland, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Like, like that's and that's that's what some people don't understand. Like, 
when some of these guys and you know Giannis he signed his extension um I thought he was great this entire time with his press conferences and he was great afterwards he was you know pretty straightforward he's like hey like uh, I you know I could have I could have went and joined a super team like you know he's like that's that's easy we could have we could have done it the easy way and won two three championships he's like we I, you know he's like we stayed here like the job wasn't done like I felt I felt that pressure and that you know that e- not ego but um you know the stubborn his stubbornness he called it that you know he felt that the bubble you know the bubble didn't do them justice and I that I was saying it I you know I think that the Bucks would have went to the finals and it had the season not been interrupted and had the four month break and done this bubble bullshit. I think they would have went to the finals last year. Would they have beat the Lakers or the Clippers? Probably not. Um, but I think they would have been there and, uh, you know, he signs, they go, they get true holiday and they win the title. So, um, you know, and yeah, you know, again, hats off to him. Like he, and he's the, what he, what he's saying is great. He's like, listen, like, I may I may not win three more of these. We may not do it again, but you know we did this. We did it the hard way. We did it the right way. So he feels good. That guy that guy is going to be a legend. Uh, he, he put up a fifty burger in a closeout game. Um, it had probably the greatest finals game I've ever watched. Uh, I've ever watched live. I think that's up there. The three greatest of all time are I think Jordan's last game in Utah, which was just insane. Um, Two way for him as well. Uh, LeBron's game, game one against the Warriors um, back in 2018. Even though that, that's the famous J, that'll be known as the J.R. Smith game, but that was just incredible to watch. And now this Giannis game, I can't, I can't even think of a Finals game. And Tim, Tim Duncan almost had a quadruple double in a game against the Nets in 2003. So probably the four best since 1998. Uh, and he's right up there, but. Awesome stuff. Um, I feel bad. Like I, I know everyone feels bad for Chris Paul. I just feel bad for Devin Booker, man. Like I don't know. Have you seen this video where he's just like watching them celebrate and the confetti come down? You just hear him say "damn" and then like walk back to the locker room. Have you seen this yet? No, no I'm not. probably not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just I just I just see that. It, man, it's just because I like Booker. I'm I'm a two guard guy. My two favorite players of all time are two guards and then Rodman. Um, Dude played his ass off. His first playoffs, guy fucking came to play, dude. He never shied away from the moment. Uh, I just, it sucks they couldn't get it done. Um, but it is what it is. But I got a, I got my swan song, my uh, my my love letters, so to speak, for one one Chris Middleton that we've had. We've had some times, me and Chris. Um, I want to hear this. My dearest Chris, I couldn't sleep the other night. Because I know that it's over between us. I'm not bitter anymore. Because I know that, that what we had was real. All the all the hate and all the criticism. And if some distant place in the future we see each other in our new our new lives and our new status, I'll smile at you with joy. Remember how we spent how we spent that time or how I spent that time saying how you as the second best player on a team would never win an NBA championship, laughing with all, all my glee beneath the trees, uh, learning from each other and growing in love. The best love is the kind that awakens the soul and makes us reach for more, similar to how I felt every time you came up small in big playoff games and I laughed and sent that awesome gif of you just going I I I with your hands in the air. It's a gif. It's a gif, sorry. Uh... But now, now you're a champion, and now, now the fire in our hearts that brings peace to our minds, 
that's what you've that's that's what you've now taken from me and given to yourself. That's what I give to you forever. I love you, Chris. I'll be seeing you soon, Drew. My my swan song to Chris Middleton. Sorry, it's a little dusty over here now. Gotta gotta wipe the uh, out of my eye. Just uh, just sitting here nodding and smiling the whole time you're reading that because I w- have been a Chris Middleton fan. Not that I think he's the greatest thing ever, but like I've I've enjoyed Chris Middleton. And anybody who's ever said anything nice about Chris Middleton, you just like you said, you just laughed at, laughed at them under under the the breeze of the trees. And who's laughing now, Drew? Not me, and I totally didn't steal that from the notebook, but that's okay. Um, greatest love story ever. All right. Drew and Chris Middleton. Actually, I take that back. Second greatest love story ever after me and the listeners with the NASCAR pit stop, which is coming up next. Oh, and I got my fancy new stopwatch. Yeah, um, I might, I might blow through a minute, but that's okay. Because we're about to have a hiatus on the pit stop. Uh, but Goff wishes he would have blown through a minute. Yeah, there's no way he's lasting a minute. <laughs> What's that three now? Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> three seconds. We're not done. Let me know, dude. <laughs> oh wait, 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 wait! I gotta find it. All right, I got the stopwatch now. See this cool stopwatch? How awesome is that? Yeah, I see it. I'm yeah, so pumped. yeah. Now I actually like. Now I'm like actually pumped for this segment. All right, let's go. Five, four, three, two, one. We were in New Hampshire last week. The big story was a rain delay. NASCAR inexplicably restarted the race, and a lot of people slipped on a slippery track. Kyle Busch was pissed, so much so that he actually almost wrecked the pace car. He was out of the race. Um, Eric Almarola was the best long-run uh, car. He ended up winning. Uh, it was only his third win ever, so he's now in the playoffs, which creates a tight... Um, playoff picture for the final two cars uh tyler reddick and austin dillon i think down down the back stretch four races to go um we had um oh uh christopher bell the number 20 at 25 to 1 um oddly enough with nascar told the teams they were going to reserve the right to cut the race to 10 laps to go at any point with 19 laps to go they cut it they said okay two, 10 laps because rain's coming if it would have went 19 laps, Christopher Bell would have caught the leader and won the race, and we would have we would have won that one. But congrats to Eric Amarola. Um, how much? There's no NASCAR next week. They're taking a two-week hiatus because of the Olympics, which has to be coming from NBC. So that sucks. We passed a minute. How would I do? You're at a minute 11 now. Oh. You were at a minute six before your last needless uh, check-in. Um, okay, so I just want to talk about Brad Keselowski because speaking of Fenway, Casey, Roush Fenway Racing, um, Brad Keselowski is joining their team next year in the number six car. He's booting out Ryan Newman, and he's going to be a part owner, and I just can't wait for that. So no no word on who his sponsors are, so I'm going to be repping some kind of crazy sponsors next year. Can't wait. All right. Minute 30. I'm done. No NASCAR for two weeks. And then my favorite Walk track, on. Watkins Glen. Oh, okay. Uh, so now, last item on beer number one, parlay. I uh, I call the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Before anybody else takes it. 
uh, on, on what day? What day of the week? You suck. <laughs> Fri- Friday? No, Let's go Friday. Saturday. Uh, it's just Saturday. Are they playing the Pirates Saturday? Yeah. yeah all right. And, cool. and their number one pitcher is going Saturday. That's because Saturday I want to take the over in the um, Yankees Red Sox game four oh five. What the fine? What do you got, Casey? Casey just 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 don't just don't pick a two hundred to one uh, favorite again and lose. No, they, like they didn't lose. They drew. <laughs> they drew. Oh, they drew. Way. Oh, um, my bad. <laughs> yeah. No, I was actually looking at the Red Sox Yankees game anyway because screw the Yankees and being a Red Sox fan myself, I was. You can take the Red Sox to win. I just took it. Well, I was looking at the. Well, I don't know about what is the over. We don't know. That's the problem with with this. We just pick blind. Well, because it's Evaldi and and Tyon on Saturday. Exactly. That's why I picked the over. And the Red Sox (laughs) have been scoring a ton of runs. Yeah, I was looking up. I was actually look, just looking up of all these stats against the Yankees and, and what Tyon was against the Yankees or against the Red Sox, and I don't know, I don't know where I land on it, but I was just going to pick the Red Sox just because. All right, well, let's take the the Red Sox to win the over in that game, and Drew will take the um, the Giants over the Pirates. We lost we lost the parlay last week because we had the under in the hoops game on Saturday. And it was like ridiculous, oh, ridiculously yeah. high score. It was the most, uh, the most, the most efficient offensive game in NBA Finals history. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, we got the over in the fight, though, right? We did. All right, we're on fire on boxing right now. Yeah, we are. Okay, let's uh, let's tap brew number two. Assume positions. Well, and I got to find one. Oh, all right, we'll do it. Uh, uh. You, I, I, I thought there was what, a... what's going on. I got it. Hold Are you ready? On. Let me grab the let me grab the oh. opener. Hold oh god, on. oh god. Okay. I apologize, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I, you were, I thought I thought we still had a minute. Alright, go ahead. Alright, ready? Three, two, one. I'm going with an oldie but goodie. Miller High Life. I've never had one. Oh they're the champagne of beers, dude. They're great. <laughs> you're you're not missing anything. Oh, yeah, I figured. This is great. <laughs> um, uh, 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 and you, and you, you're a bowler. This is great bowling alley beer. Come on. I don't, I don't drink when I'm bowling anymore. All right, Drew. I'm going with another running with the devils. Okay, Casey. Uh, I, whatever I just grabbed out of the fridge. I don't even know. Uh, what is this? It is a Breckenridge Brewery Vanilla Porter. Oh, okay. Who sings that song? Running with the devil. Is that is that Bon Jovi? Who sings that? Is that a song? Am I making that up? No, I know what you're talking about. Running with the... I just thought maybe that was a play on things with Jersey. Sponge, he's a Jersey. He's the Jersey guy, right? Or was that Springsteen? Anyway. Springsteen is the Jersey Van guy. Halen. Springsteen. Van Halen. Uh, I, I didn't know that. All right. There we go. Um, all right. First thing on Beer 2 is Tomorrow War on Prime Video. Greatest movie Ever. Um, okay, so... Jeez. Uh, uh, should we just... How, how do you want to do this? Do you just... Should we just go into our rating system, or should we... Like, should we... How, how do you want to do so this? So this is... Hold on. So this... So so for anyone that hasn't seen the trailers, if you're not trailer junkies like I, I am, this is Chris Pratt's new movie. Uh, it just came out on Amazon Prime last week, I think. Um, and it's basically our non-spoiler summary... Um, 
people uh, people in the year 2022 are drafted to go into travel into the future to fight a war against an alien race in 2051. What is it? 2051. Um, that's that's the premise. Um, do you want to do spoiler? How do you yeah? How do you want to do? It? You want to do spoilers? You want to do our ratings? Let, let's just. Uh, I mean, there's really no other way to do like a non. Yeah, yeah, no. Let's I mean, get into it without let's doing just, the ratings. Because I, I don't even know where to All right, start. So, with this. so Chris, so Chris Pratt, so good, <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Chris Pratt is a uh, a war veteran who's now teaching in high school. He was trying. It starts out with him on going for a job interview. I couldn't tell what he was interviewing for. Did they actually tell you? It's got something to do with genetics. I just don't know what it was. Um, but he, you know, it's crisp. It's some. It's like a Christmas holiday. He doesn't get it, so he's sitting. He's sitting at home watching uh, during a Christmas party, watching a soccer game with his daughter. And in the middle of the game, a time warp opens up, and this army, <laughs> mini army, comes out and tells part. every. Uh, so it was so good because you didn't know. I was like, oh, these must be bad guys. And they uh, they come out and basically announce to the world because everybody's watching soccer, so that's definitely the place to do it. Um, tell the world that there's a the human population is almost extinct extinct in the year 2051 because an alien race is taking them out. Um, so they need they need their help. And then it's this awesome quick montage about how they. Uh, they set up a draft to send people into the future for seven days, and that's your tour service. Um, Chris Pat eventually he eventually gets drafted, uh, goes into the future to fight this al- these aliens. Um, he's got this hilarious sidekick. I I tried to get the actor's name. I forget what he's been in, um, but he's the co- basically the comic relief of the uh, the entire movie. He, it's uh, it's Sam Richardson. I don't know what else he's been in, but he was hilarious. Um, and he's teamed up with a couple couple of people who have gone on multiple tours. Um, and the the you find out the criteria for the draft is they're sending people back that are going to die in the near future. So somehow they have some system that tells when before the year twenty fifty one, so they can't run into them their future selves. That that they hypothesize, yes. Um, so Chris Pat's going to die in seven years, and so that's why he gets selected. Um, turns out when he's in the future, there it's a rescue mission to rescue um, a scientist team, and that goes to shit. Only three people survive, and he ends up going back to base camp, and it turns out that the leader of what's left of the human race is his daughter, which very pre- – very predictable. As soon as you saw her on the screen, I'm like, oh, it's definitely going to be his daughter. Um, turns out then they, they go to capture a female, one of the female whitetails or white – what were they called? Were they called whitetails? White, uh, white strikes? Maybe, maybe white strikes. Um, anyway, uh, they came because they come to the realization. Very similar. This is they, – they, they took a couple of movie plots together. This is very similar to my all-time favorite, Reign of Fire. Absurd. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Um, where the female is the most – the female is the most important because that's that's how they breed. Um, they're trying to come up with a 
uh, biological weapon. White, and so white they need spikes. White spikes. So they need her DNA to come up with a serum to wipe out the female and the males. Uh, they capture it. Her and her dad are go. You know, they're sharing some time together. Uh, she tells him that I guess in the future, in the back in in the past, he left her and the mom, and then died in a car or got in a car accident and then died. Um, they get the, their base, this awesome battle base that's on 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 water, um, gets attacked and overrun. Uh, the plan, the whole plan, has been for her to find and make the serum to send him back with it to mass produce it so that they're ready for the attack and that the world doesn't die in his now future. Um, so he gets he gets jumped back just as she's dying and falling into probably four hundred white white strikes white that was this white strikes white spikes white spikes. Um, they're now they're back in his present day. Uh, he survived. His comedic relief buddy survived because he was hiding for the seven days, which is just awesome. Um, they, the other, the guy, the other, the third member of their crew that had been on his third tour, who was dying of cancer, he survived. Um, him and his wife, they hypothesized because everyone's like, "Well, how do we not know? There's no, there was nothing on the radar of the ship landing. How did the aliens get to Russia, which is where it all started?" They come up, or his wife figures out they must have been here before then. So, in an awesome twist, just so amazing. They have a, a scene that you think means nothing with his high school class and this nerdy dude who's talking about volcanoes all the time. It turns out that they, the one of the claws that the uh, the guy on his third tour had, they found volcanic ash underneath it because that still was there under the three years the later. White yeah, yeah, under the white strike. And they get this high school kid to basically so look about up every volcano ever. Yes, looks up all this data and figures out what volcano in or what volcano was the link to Russia. And they hypothesize that the Earth would have, or like there would have been cap capsules melting like twenty years in the future in this location. So Chris Pat Chris Pratt then teams up with his estranged father, played by J.K. Simons, who's just. I, if my I wish my arms looked like that now. That dude is fucking ripped, and he's like seventy years old. The the, the three of us are rocking dad bods. I'm not even a dad, and this guy's like jacked out of yeah, his mind. That's, that's um, the farmer's uh, insurance guy. Sure, sure. That's we'll, we'll go of all the iconic roles he's been in. We're gonna go with the farmer's that's insurance. What, that's guy. what you see um, him most as. Uh, I mean, he played a classic cameo in uh, in Brockmire too. But yeah, Matt either, the Bat. Eh. Matt the Bat. Yeah, I was telling you to go with that, but yeah, <laughs> way to disappoint me. Um, oh man, that was your time to shine, and you fucked that up. Um, so he's a strange father who's movie like, got messed up. You're awful. Fuck you. Um, he's a strange father who like is like uh, behind the scenes, like under underbelly naval army guy that does these secret like under or secret missions for lots of cash. Uh, they find they, them. It's the three, the three of them, the father and whatever um, soldiers are left from the future that traveled, traveled to the present. They go to Russia. They find the mother hole, the mother ship. It turns out that some other alien race Somehow was trapped in the center of an iceberg because yes, Somehow there's a, a a void. There's there's just a void in the middle of an iceberg, and that's where the the alien ship is. And down in the, that's right, down in that void. Hundred, yeah. And it turns out that 
Yeah, and another alien race was basically was travel was was transporting them as cargo, probably to destroy worlds because they found the pilots weren't white spikes. Um, they use they use the serum, kill a few. It wakes up a bunch of other ones. They blow the ship to holy hell after some start to escape, and then it's basically the all the the all time showdown between father and son, and then the mother white spike. Uh, what a fight scene! Probably one of the greatest fight scenes of all time. Chris Pratt injects the 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 female white spike with the serum. She pulls a Herschel from Walking Dead, and as she's being infected by the serum, rips off her arm to survive and stay alive and fight. The serum from traveling to her central. I mean, I yeah. I didn't think the movie could get any better, and then that happened. I'm like, this is amazing. Um. They eventually kill her and win, and uh, Chris Pratt goes home to his family. He brings his dad to finally meet his granddaughter that he'd never met before, and that's where it ends. No post-credit scenes. No. Just well, well, well done. I just amazing, so good. There was two the things pa- I liked about this movie: the 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 singing, the pageantry. Totally undersold it. <laughs> There's two things I liked about this movie. One, the aliens. They were cool. Two, um, the the woman who played his daughter in the future, uh, Yvonne... Roll Tide. Yvonne Strahovski. She was the leader of the new CTU in the final season of 24 that was only 12 episodes. And she was hot then, uh, and she was hot now. Oof, and I, I've been waiting for her to pop up in something else because she's awesome. Um, and she was in an awesome movie, so it made sense. So, um, here's what I can I say what I liked about it before we talk about what we didn't like about it. Okay. Alright. I thought <laughs> I thought the, com- the I thought it had just enough comedy that made it great. Um, the best the best is when they're like willy-nilly deciding what people can and can't wear and then his funny sidekick uh, there's a chef literally a, a guy dressed in his chef outfit and the guy goes uh my man's over there is wearing a chef hat i mean what are we doing here everybody yeah um i thought there was a perfect perfect amount of comedy i i actually even if it was str- strategically poorly done i thought it was cool i liked how the aliens were already on earth Despite how that they were there, I just like I just like that. Nobody it was like can a ship see me rolling life. my eyes right now, but I hope you can feel it. I kind of I kind of dug that, um, and it's not like they were they were being they were being like harvested in like a sleep. It's not like rain of fire where like the dragons were alive underground and somehow could could breathe and you know not starve to death. They were like being grown. Um, I thought the aliens were cool. I liked the whole. Uh, did you ever watch Men? Did you see Men in Black Three? Oh no, you didn't even like Men in Black, so you definitely didn't see it. I like Men in Black. Oh. I thought didn't you shit on Men in Black? No. When, you didn't say Men in Black was overrated, didn't it wasn't that one of our overrated movies? No, things? I no? said that if it only worked because of Will Smith. If it was somebody else, it would oh. be just awkward. Did you see the third one? I don't know. Oh. Well it had uh, it had the, the bad guy had like the hand that shot that the spikes out. That was basically what that alien was. Um I thought they were really cool. I I totally dug the. Uh, I thought the the water fortress thing was super cool. If you if we would have seen it in the movies, I think that would have looked a lot um, 
a lot better. And I thought Chris Pratt was great in it. Like Pratt, I'm hit or miss with him sometimes, um, but I thought he was pretty pretty good throughout. Um. So, so what didn't you like? What didn't you like about it? Uh, pretty much everything. So I, I was just saying, I'm like, was this just fucking Murtaugh? Look, here, here, here's the telltale sign. When I can recite the word, like the dialogue, before they even say the words, and I'm saying it verbatim, that's terrible writing. And so I'm like, well, maybe it's just me. So I went out to like Rotten Tomatoes, and like, of course, like this is like Drew's always just like that, like audience who's just like. Yes, sci-fi effects. Yes. So Drew, like the like the audience had it like in the seventies, and then like the actual critics had it like in the fifties or forties or something like that. So I, I I here's a couple of the excuse me a couple of the critics critics things. Cool critters foiled by every time travel trope ever, as if someone <laughs> transplanted a great idea for a monster movie into the cheapest derivative script po- available. Um, it's too. There are no. There is no. There are no real rules of time travel, though. Yeah, that whole physics thing. It's too damn long. But at least this time travel romp has good com- uh, comic timing. The filmmakers have liberally cribbed from a number of sources, resulting in a movie that feels both piecemeal and formulaic. You've seen it all yes. before, and what you saw before was probably better. Which is hilarious because what I wrote down, I, I after I was done watching that movie, I was I was scrolling through and I came across Tremors and I was like, there, I just watched Tremors and Back to the Future, except for it was worse than both. Like that's what I felt like. And Rain of Fire. Um, that being said, let's just get into the two bruise ratings because I just well here let me here's what I didn't like. Okay. Uh, as much as I loved it, I I I didn't. To the that critic's point that it was too long, I thought that for as long as it was, the fact that like we didn't really get any explanations as to what we were sending people into the future to do. Because at one point I felt like they said, Oh, you're there to give us intel like on the white spikes, which didn't make any sense. The writing um, was bad, that's why. Agreed. Um but like when they weren't when they were like, Oh, all you need is a gun, you don't need you don't need anything else. The fact that, like, the White Spike's main weapon and advantage was that they literally shot spikes out of, like, their, like, four legs. Wouldn't, like, some type of Kevlar probably yes. been, like, let's mass-produce Kevlar and yes. send in soldiers where he shit that spike? There was a spike? lot of plot holes. <laughs> a lot. Well, that was, that was, that was my, my one thing. I the movie, but, like, it was just, it just insulted my intelligence at every turn. Well, that was, that was my one thing. Um... The second thing, uh, the time, the rules of time travel. Like, so, does he not die now? Like, because wouldn't he still die? Like, the fact that he's now gone back. Listen, like, did it all? Did this? Did this already happen? Is it going back? Listen, I, I was watching this with my wife, and she, Casey, you would appreciate this because I know you're a science geek like me, and you know all about cosmic inflation and all that stuff. I was trying to explain to my wife, infinite universe theory multiple uh timeline like the way like you break off like uh timelines i was trying to explain to her that theory and she was like that's all stupid and i was like i'm sorry i don't know what what else to tell you but like i I, it's too i drew that world exists but it's a different timeline 
Yeah. So, like, and then it, it yeah. changes based on their actions. And uh... <laughs> although some people would say no, it doesn't because they would because that's why it doesn't work. That's why it, that's why it doesn't work. <laughs> and my last thing was so, and maybe and maybe this was already built years before. They they had all this time and technology to be able to build this base on the ocean and this machine that sends you back in time, but it took them three and a half years to catch a female white spike. I, which they just when, when I'm the one which they which, the, which they I, I which know. which they which they did with fire. Like <laughs> I still like the movie. I still was I I stopped, you know. Through until the last forty minutes, I was still like, "Oh, I'm all in. I'm all in." Yeah. So let, let's. Do oh, in the last part, couldn't they have just blown the spaceship with C four to begin with, and not even worried about the serum? Just like blown that thing to all hell, and then nobody had to die. Yep. Anyway, yep. let's do yep. let's do the rating. Let's do the rating. Okay. Again, everyone, these are five categories: three stars for each, maximum fifteen. <laughs> Acting. I gave it 1.5 right down the middle. Um, Chris Pratt, I, I honestly thought he was just mediocre, and I don't think it was necessarily his fault. I just feel like the character was just kind of like not very complex, and I felt like I felt like he was kind of like the background, and they popped all of the other side characters off of him. I felt like the supporting cast was solid, but he was just kind of like there. I gave it a two. Okay. Writing. I gave it a one. One and a half. Yeah, I, I thought there was just so many holes, and like I said, when I'm reciting, but like lines, the kind, of like but for me, like the comedy, I thought the comedy was awesome. There, there like, was good I, comedic timing. I like, laughed at every joke. Like that one guy said, there was good comedic timing, but like the, I laughed at things I, that weren't supposed to be funny. Like when I'm calling out the lines ahead of time, and they're just saying I was, what I'm calling out. I was in stitches when he sit when he's sitting there with the whole class looking at the kid with the volcano. And he's asking him the question of where to find this, and his like psychic buddy's like, "I would have killed for this moment in high school." I was like, "I was rolling." No, I'm like, "This guy's the best." Plot. I actually gave it a two. Um, the plot was good. They just didn't bring it all together well. Um, but it was it was a very good concept. So I'll give it a two. Yeah, I gave it a two and a half. I I liked I liked all the idea. There was just some of the some of the execution could have been better. Yeah. Feel slash genre. Um, I wanted to give it more, but I gave it a one point seven five. The aliens were awesome, but like, that's kind of it. Like the time travel was just very clunky and like not kind of done well. Gotcha. I gave it a two. Close. Rewatchability. Yeah. Uh, I gave it right down the middle, one and a half. It, it, the, the aliens make it rewatchable because the aliens were fun. I gave it a one just because. The cool, like some of the, some of the movies, even if I like them, like if the, what I like about them is like what like the missing piece that you find out. Yeah, it's like yeah, like the second time around, it's not as good. good a lot of com- a lot of those, factor. yeah, a lot of those like shock value comedies. Yeah, like Pineapple Express, I laughed my ass off in the movie theater, yeah. and then when I watched it again, I was like, oh, he's gonna throw that that cat cat a. Uh, what do you call it? Cat Pan at at, uh, at Seth Rogen and Danny McBride's gonna have herpes. It's, okay, it's not as funny now. <laughs> yeah. but I know it's coming. So yeah. So my total was seven point seven five. Mine was nine. Okay. So Casey, what's the average of that? Sixteen point seven five. Carry the one. Eight, eight and a quarter. 
Yeah, something like that. Ish. Eight and... 8.375. Yeah, 8 and 8. 8, yeah. eight and 3 eighths. 3 eighths of a filet gof. Um, so, what do, so, what do, so we got a 1.675 rating at 3. Did I do that math right? I don't know. You're, it's way too late to be doing that kind of math. <laughs> okay. <laughs> almost almost a 2 on the 2 brew. Uh, what are we calling this? The two brew the two rating brew. system. The two brew rating. Okay. All right. Um, next movie we watched this week was Space Jam: New Legacy. Um, Coming to the jam. I thought it was the pretty Space good. Jam. Like I, I came in with very low expectations. Um, this coming from the guy who knows what Cocomelon is. Yeah. So um, again, I, I, look. Straight up spoiler alerts. If you don't, if you don't know the non spoilers by now, like just, just. Google it. So, um, the things uh, that... Well, let me just go through my notes. So, we're like 20, 25 minutes into the movie, and my son looks at me, who's four, looks at me and goes, Dad, are we almost to the part with Bugs Bunny? So, like... (laughs) Like, that was the biggest flaw of the movie, was they spent 20, 25 minutes... Like basically setting up the backstory of how they get to the basketball game, which is LeBron, um, you know, it shows him as a kid, and he was playing Game Boy, and his coach was like, you got to put those video games away and work on your game. And then he did, and he went on to be LeBron. So now with his kids, he's like, you got to put those video games away and work on your game. But his one of his sons is, like, an awesome, like, game Video developer. game create, yeah. And doesn't want to play basketball, wants to, like develop video games and creates like this awesome basketball video game and so um some i I guess one of the parts i missed was so then he and his son they go to warner brothers to be pitched that lebron let's make you into a cartoon so you could be in all these movies and lebron's like nah i don't want to do that and and the warner brothers algorithm which is played by don Cheadle, like he's like the personification of the algorithm Algae rhythm, baby. He gets spurned by LeBron. And so he corrupts. Somehow, like, they enter the server room and, like, kablammy, they're in the computer. And so, What in the Matrix is this? <laughs> and so, um... The... So then, uh, Don Cheadle slash Algae Rhythm corrupts LeBron's son and turns him against him. And so all of the cool mega players that LeBron's son created now is playing in a basketball game against LeBron and the Looney Tunes. So because they're in the Warner Brothers servers, LeBron is trying to recruit, like, Superman and all this stuff. Batman, yeah. And Bugs Bunny is like, nah, we're going to go recruit all my buddies. Um, because they, they all chose to leave. They were all tempted by Algae Rhythm the... somehow convinced them to leave that the grass was greener outside of Toontown. Yeah. And for some reason, they all just were like, "Yeah, screw you, bugs!" Like we're not coming back. But now I just, I, I just thought that was supposed to make fun of like LeBron leaving like all his teams for like the grass and the greener. And the I don't know, side. but it was funny because <laughs> LeBron's trying to pick up all you know all the superheroes, and Bugs Bunny was he goes, "LeBron, you just you can't just pick all the players you want. This isn't the Heat." And, and I, I just lost it. No. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, they did. Uh, that was great. I, we were joking earlier, and there was a good, uh, there was a great line with Don Cheadle when he's like, uh, he's he when he, as he's corrupting, he's corrupting LeBron's son, 
And he goes, he goes, well, you really shouldn't be surprised that your dad left you. I mean, he left Cleveland, left Miami, left Cleveland again. Huh, what? Watch out, Laker Laker fans. Am I right? I was like dying over that too. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they didn't really, they didn't really care about cutting on LeBron. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so then you know they finally, all these people get pulled into the Warner Brothers servers somehow, and uh, including through Ernie their Johnson. phones. Through, yeah, through their oh, phones. Through the, through the app on their phones. Yeah, and so, um. Now LeBron's team has to beat his son's team in order to set everyone free from the Warner Brothers servers, um, and so you know the as, exactly what you would expect. The basketball game goes, and there's like bonus points and all this stuff for like being fancy because that's how his son wrote the game and everything. Uh, my favorite character was Dame Time. Um, I thought it was really cool how like Dame Time like pointed to his watch. And it yeah. basically became the Matrix and slowed down time. And he, like, went and scored a ton of baskets and, like, basically just goofed on everyone while they were in slow motion. He was in regular time. And then they figured out the way to beat him was with the granny, like, the cartoon granny from Looney Tunes. Yeah. She was so old that Dame Time, like, didn't work on her. So she was able just to, like, combat him in da- in the Dame Time, which I, I just found out to be hilarious. And she was she had been spending her time in the Warner Brothers Matrix vault, and so she they did like a play on her being Neo from the Matrix. Yeah. Um. So so I enjoy. I actually once I got into the basketball stuff, I thought it was pretty entertaining and pretty fun. Um. The one thing that was just ridiculously corny was every title that Warner Brothers owns. Like, those characters made it into the movie somehow, and it was just like, we get it. You own everything. Like, you think... You're- oh, that was, one of, I know, that was one of the things I actually liked. Like, I hate it. Cool, it. I like, like, having all the... <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're all Umbrella the Corp. The you're Mega Umbrella Corp. We get it. This is... Oh, uh, I dug it. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I thought Don Cheadle... Well, I thought he was really good. Through, I mean, he's fucking Don Cheadle, obviously. Um... I thought him as algae rhythm was really was really entertaining. Um, enjoyed his performance. the The best scene probably is when they're in the locker room at halftime, and they're like, "We know we are uh, Sylvester." Was it Sylvester who came in and goes, "Hey guys, I, I know I know what we need. I found I found Michael Jordan at the uh, he was at the food stand and the Chicago <laughs> the Chicago <laughs> Bulls." <laughs> The Bulls music plays and he comes walking in, and it ends up being Michael B. Jordan, um, which and the whole thing was really funny. And he's like, like "Oh, hey guys, like, yeah, can you win this game so we could all go home?" Yeah, it was all like awkward, and it was fun. I, I even though I knew that was coming because Don Cheadle made a joke like, "Guys, don't, Michael Jordan's going to make a cameo in this, obviously." And it was, I was like, "Oh, it's definitely going to be Michael B. Jordan because Michael Jordan ain't going in this thing." Um, that was really good. I like, I, I liked the. Uh, I thought it was cool how they had the Warner Brothers characters. I just maybe because I'm a Potter nerd and Harry Potter World was there a few times. Um, the only thing that I, I oh, and Ernie Ernie was great in it too. Ernie Johnson, um, yeah. I always forget, and I always forget the other guy. He's from he's the main character from Uncle Drew. Um, I always forget his name. Um, the only thing that I like thought would have made it better was instead of doing like the Looney Tunes and having it be like. Uh, like a sequel ish to Space Jam, like I would have just had LeBron with like Warner Brothers characters and had some other spin on it, than than just having it follow the same type of movie basically that 
the first one was with Jordan and the Looney Tunes. I just that was that's just me. Like I would have been like, okay, like you did all this cool like up to date stuff. Like I liked how they used like all the new technology and things like that. I just would have refreshed the story a little bit. But like the 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 um the monsters, the little aliens had a little cameo in it. Like you still could have had a cameo from the Toon Squad. Yeah. Um, but that was but that's the only thing I would have done yeah. differently. All right. And again, it's a it's it's a kids movie, so like you have to watch it as if you're like. A kid, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, good, good, good point there. Um, what, yeah. All what, right, I I haven't seen it, and I have no plans to. But I keep seeing stuff online about how Bugs Bunny died. Well, like... so so here's the thing. So uh, LeBron's kid, he LeBron was trying to teach him this specific move, and so the kid wrote that move into the game, and but he didn't do it right. So wh- whoever did that move, like the game like glitched and that character got erased and so lebron's like no i'll do it i'll I'll do i'll do the move and cause the glitch and that's how we're gonna beat them and then bugs like intercepts the pass and buzz does uh, bugs does the glitch yeah he steals the ball from lebron and that's how they himself and that's and sacrifices himself and that's how they win the game but earlier in the movie bugs notes to the all the kids and the audience and everything he's like I'm a tune. I can survive anything because he like survives like a dynamite explosion and anything. So then he comes back like to close out the movie and he's like, "Hey, I told you, I'm a tune. I can survive anything." And yeah. so he actually does not die. So. Now, right? Because like the clip that I saw online of it was just him like saying, "Oh, that's all, folks," and then he just sort of like disappears and ascends into like yeah, I guess perceived tune heaven or whatever at that point. Yeah, it was, like, yeah. That's yeah. not traumatic yeah. for kids or anything. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> my my son did say that was his favorite part when Bugs came back from the dead and was like, "I told you, I'm a tune. I could survive anything." So <laughs> that was kind of funny that that was his favorite part. Um, sweet. On that note, let's give it the two brew rating. Okay. Acting, I gave it a one point two five, um, and that was basically because Don Cheadle was the only good acting there. Um, I gave it. I gave it a one and a half because of Don Cheadle. I thought he was. Yeah. I just really enjoyed. I, I really enjoyed him the entire. Yeah, way. We, we were close. Um, writing two, and that was fine. That was good. Good enough. Uh, I gave it a one. Yeah, I get. I get that. I like. I said that first twenty-five minutes was a lot to overcome. Um, yeah. Plot two point two five. Thought, like I said, clunky in the beginning, but uh, I once they got to the basketball parts, it was fine. Uh, one and a half. Uh, feel genre. I gave it two point seven five. I thought it was again. Once it got into it, it was pretty good. Yeah, I from the lens of a kids movie, I gave it a two and a half. Yeah, it seemed like a pretty yeah. pretty typical kids movie. Yeah, rewatchability. I gave it a two point seven five again. I, I could watch it with my kids again, no problem. Yeah, uh, one and a half. Oh, I mean, I'll never watch it again. But I guess a kid would want to maybe. I'd watch it with my kids. So mine came out to a ten flat. I'm at an eight flat. So nine. All right, that's about what I expected it to come out to. So overall, two, almost like a two, I guess. I'm not doing that right. I don't know. It's nine out of fifteen. It's we don't have to acquiesce to. Other uh, others. I thought we were. I thought we were averaging out to see how many like of the three stars. Of the three, we, were uh, we I mean, the the, like the people at home have abacuses. That's fine. Um, who was the? I guess we need to talk about. Uh, Who's the who's the per thirty six MVP of Space Jam two? I don't even know. 
I I have a tie between uh, Algae Rhythm Sidekick Petey okay. and uh, LeBron's agent in this movie. I thought they were the uh, per Ernie Johnson's a close close there, but I thought they were the two the per thirty six uh, MVPs. I don't even know uh, Dame Time. I just loved the whole Dame Time thing. That was cool. Um, per thirty six MVP of uh, tomorrow tomorrow. Oh work. yeah, I picked Yvonne Strahovski because I love her. Uh, I don't think she will qualify, but okay. Um, don't care. My mine was a uh, mine was Norma Norma the the watch lady in the uh, in the the Miami sequence. She was awesome. Okay. So. All right. Um, Sweet. The only other things we wanted to cover here were uh, Drew. You went and saw Fast Nine. <laughs> I sure did. Oh man. Uh, saw Fast Nine with uh, our buddy Goff. Why you may ask? I mean, if anyone understands speed, precision, and an unbelievable story that probably didn't actually happen, I mean that's that's Goff on prom night, right? So figured why not go see Fast and the Furious with him? Um, it was awesome. It was so delicious. It was so del- it was so delicious in every aspect. Um, I'll tell you, it was actually it was actually a good script. Um, the whole if you don't if you don't watch Fast and the Furious, the whole premise of Fast and the Furious starting in the beginning was Dom Toretto, who's played by Vin Diesel, um, was in jail before the first one even happened as a kid because his dad was um, a race car driver and a driver cut him off on the track and he ended up dying in an explosion. And then Toretto beat that guy to death almost almost beat him to death with a uh, with a wrench. So, um, so he did hard time for that. And they actually did for the first time ever did flashbacks to that backstory. So like they had the scene where his dad dies, um, interactions with him as a kid. And John Cena is, I guess because the rock and Vin Diesel hate each other. I guess John Cena, they had to bring in cause you needed that WWE superstar. <laughs> uh, he plays, he somehow plays Toretto's brother. I'm not sure how that works out all um, that much, but um, they had the flashbacks to, to show how the brothers fit in here, um, which was – that was all really cool, and I liked it. Uh, I, I actually probably would have saved that if I were them because they could have done a whole other movie just on that. Um, it is kind of ridiculous how the – and this is just kind of built up how the race car – these guys that were race car drivers and just like you know jack hijacking like trucks with DVDs now are like – vehicular warfare experts and stuff which is just the ride you know Letty's out there on a motorcycle like hopping hills no helmet bullets are zipping by her head it's pretty delicious um Tyrese Tyrese and Ludacris are amazing I hope they get a spin-off series um I'll say the most they the, the one of the one of the best parts of the movie was Tyrese kept making fun like he kept referencing the most ri- the ridiculousness of everything they keep surviving and doing, which was absolutely hilarious. He's like, you guys ever notice like we keep doing this crazy shit and we keep surviving? He's like, I, don't even don't even get me started on the submarine incident that we survived, um, and that was really funny. And it's all that that whole thing is a build up to him and him and Ludacris. Um, in Tokyo, uh, in Tokyo Drift, which is like the one-off that no one talks about, the quarterback from Friday Night Lights and Little Bow Wow um, are like a little tandem in there. 
they're in this movie because you got to bring everybody back. They're working with some rocket scientists and they're strapping like a rocket, uh, like a, basically a rocket on a Fiero um, and just test driving it. And it blows up like as they do it. Um, at one point in the movie, Ludacris and Tyrese fly that Fiero into outer space. That is that happened. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <laughs> me and Gopher going nuts. I'm like, don't tell me they're going to fly that Fiero into space. No, they're, oh, they did it. Oh my God, they did it. So ludicrous. They're wearing like old 1940s scuba suits. <laughs> they fly the Fiero into outer space. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was pretty hilarious. Um, and then the, the other just amazing part was Dom Dom Toretto, which is Vin Diesel. He's he's in this big like big armored car, and he's fighting somebody. No one's driving the fucking thing. It's sw- it's swerving all over the road. It ends up going down a mountain. Turns like six, seven, eight times. Charlize Theresen, who's back as a bad guy in this, she's flying a a drone, fires fires rockets at the thing, hits it, it blows up. Toretto gets out of there before he's part of the explosion, falls into this desert mountain. The only mark he had on him was a little dirt spot on his white t-shirt. <laughs> Not a single cut. Stop the me. Go, go just go just hits me. He's like, dude, he's not even bleeding. <laughs> it was, dude. It was. They just because now it's just funny. They're thinking of what, what, what shit can we do that's just so ridiculous. And they, they did not. When they went into outer space, man, I'm like, this is this is amazing. I was like, where do you go from here? Um, but it was really good. Listen, if you're if you're committed to fat the fast series, go see it. Uh, I mean, you're not. <laughs> You're not going to be disappointed. Jordana Brewster's back, who plays uh, Toretto's sister Mia. Who I mean, Charlize Theron was probably awesome in it. Yeah, they're both. Both of them are eight thousand times Roll Tide. Um, Merle from Walking Dead makes a funny cameo in it. Uh, a lot of Walking Dead cameos in all three of these movies. Um, but yeah, it was it was delicious. I still can't believe they went in outer space with the Fiero. Um, it was so great. It was so great. Um, okay. But, uh, well, thanks for reporting for that. That was that was informative. Um, the only other thing I wanted to touch on here before we go. This has been a long one, but it's it's been a lot of fun. We've we've covered a lot of good ground. Was I mean we 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 got Casey the Star Wars man here. It's like I kind of feel like if we if we don't use him for some Star Wars knowledge, like what's what's the point? So. Um, <laughs> Most recently, I mean, Bad Batch was the most recent thing that came out. It was like the third cartoon installment um, from Disney here. Um, so. I think it's at least the fourth. But oh, really? Okay, yeah, well, there there's go. another, like, I think one that went ran for like two seasons. It's called like Rise of the Resistance or something. Um, I've so, been watching that like off and on. But. I, saw, I saw Bad Batch get some like mediocre press. From, yeah. From from your perspective, was that warranted or, or no? I I can see why. Um, I don't dislike it, but I'm not. It, it doesn't have the same appeal to me anyway as like what 
Clone Wars or what Rebels or, you know, and I know it's not the same comparison because it's not animated, but, like, I don't find myself counting the days down to, like, the next Mando episode. It, I don't know where it's going, is, I think, the... Oh, so they haven't released the whole thing yet? No, they, they're doing the same release that they do, like, with Mando, oh. where it's one a week. And there's 16 episodes, I think. And I think we're up to 12 or something so far. Yeah, okay. You know, it's a new... It's a new group of characters that they they introduced during the last official season of Clone Wars, which came out during the pandemic last year. So it's all about these, you know, hyper um, or I guess enhanced is a probably the better way of putting it, like enhanced clones, and each one has an enhanced ability. So like the main guy Hunter his senses are heightened so when he's out in the field in battle like he senses the enemy before anybody else even knows that they're there kind of thing um, the one guy who's really fun actually is uh, his name's Wrecker so he's just a guy that he's super big and like all jacked up and everything and just likes to destroy stuff and you know just loves like running headfirst into battle and just wrecking you know whatever is out there um there's a nerdy guy tech you know who's super into you know he's got all his gadgets and all that kind of stuff so he can hack into you know the enemies you know, really name original name. names yeah yeah the the the, end, <laughs> the the names are whatever um record you know, like weird. the wreck stuff tech he's in the tech yeah <laughs> so the only like the the intriguing part of it right now is that there's another clone named Omega, who is a girl, um, which is the first that I'm aware of. You know, all of the other clones that they've, you know, came out of Kamino were always males for, you know, the big Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff and all the other clones that we're aware of. But she, they, they dropped like a pretty big hint maybe three weeks ago where... You know Boba Fett is the clone... Big that, fan of the Fett. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Hmm. He, you know, was the clone that Jango Fett, like the unaltered clone anyway, that Jango Fett got to keep, like, as his son kind of thing. Yeah. He's actually, according to the, the, the Kaminoans anyway, is like the Alpha. And then there's this girl, Omega, who is Omega, clearly, um... And they always go by generation of what the clones are. So, like, certain clones are, like, fifth generation of, you know, Django Fett's, you know, you know DNA and that kind of stuff. Okay. So the way they made it sound, anyway, was that she is in a first generation, like Boba, which would mean that she's kind of Boba's sister, sort of. So that was intriguing, anyway. And they haven't really done a ton with that, so they've just been dropping, like, little hints so I'm kind of interested to see, is this going to end up being, you know, where is the tie-in to potentially, like, you know, Grogu? Because, like, as we talked previously, mm. you know, there's that, the 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 doctor or whatever in season yeah. one has that Cam and Owen, you know, patch on him and that kind of thing. So, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's been enjoyable. Has it been, like, my favorite thing? No. Um but they may drop the hammer in these last like four episodes and really turn the, the dudes up on it too. So I I don't know. 
it like to me it's worth watching like if you're into star wars i'd absolutely watch it you know it's been pretty fun i just don't know where it necessarily is tying in with everything do you need to have watched the previous cartoons to watch to watch this yes and no and i only say that mainly because the last two episodes so the rebels series one of the main characters is harrison doula they in this series in the last couple of weeks she's fully grown like is out on her own like you know doing you know all this sort of like rebel stuff and whatever um but in this in the last two episodes they've shown an adolescent hera who got to like interact with this bad batch and you see what's happening on her home planet of ryloth and like why they're under occupation from the empire so you can kind of see like you're getting like the full backstory of how she became entrenched in the rebellion which is kind of neat but it's like okay are we just doing fan service here or is this going to tie into something Hmm. bigger later so that's that's where i'm kind of at right now gotcha all right um I mean, they did. They did kind of start the thing off, and this is like the second, the second time they've done this. Anyway, Order sixty six. The whole thing starts out with like Order sixty six being oh. executed. So oh you wow! See it, yeah. So like you see it from the clones' perspective. Oh wow! And it happened in the last season of Clone Wars, where you saw it from like Ahsoka and Captain Rex's um, perspective of when oh, wow. that got executed. So they're kind of showing you like you know okay like you know emperor says like execute order 66 what we see in the movies is all these jedi being killed and everything but then now you're seeing different perspectives of of like when that order got handed out what actually happened to certain other factions and that kind of thing order 66 yeah exactly so it was like that was kind of neat and these guys like they're all you know it's all the inhibitor chips and everything but the this bad batch of clones that they call themselves anyway, their inhibitor chips don't really fire that way, except for one of them who does, who then ends up breaking off from the group and whatever. And that's sort of like a subplot of what's happening too. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's been a different a different <clears throat> experience. So it's like the Jordan Bencomo of the bad batch. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, well, remember the hot remember the hot take on Star Wars. Speaking of Order sixty six, that the Jedi are completely overrated, minus Obi Wan Kenobi. We're gonna have we're gonna have we're, I think we're gonna have a live debate show about that one of these days. Now that we got this cool video function, that is a really good point, t- Drew. We really I've we, turned. We really should have have a robust discussion on the state of the Jedi when. The Empire Falls. My my one buddy who's a big Star Wars fan, the big KL, uh, he was like, when I first said that to him, he's like, dude, fuck you. And then after I said it on the pod, and then like, he had, after he got done Mando, and he's like, I hate you. And like, it's like, it's like how everyone ruined Indiana Jones for the big bang guys. He's like, you're actually kind of right. Like, they're kind of worthless now, huh? I was like, just well, saying. The whole point is I'm that. Just saying. Their whole point was to keep the force in balance. But they, right under their nose, they let it get imbalanced from their own hubris, and there's a whole. Dis- I mean, you gotta have a whole discussion about that. But yeah, um, yeah. 
Fair enough. Yeah. Any hoodles. Um, all right, I think that puts a bow on, on it all. Right? I'd say so. We covered a lot of ground here today. Some tears were shed. Some laughs were shared. Um, Casey came in to save us again. Drew thought he was awesome, but really he was just kind of just normal well, Drew. He's, he's, he's still going to get all my votes and all the polls and everything going forward after after that nonsense you spoke about the, the Disneyverse a couple of weeks back anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> pick, pick, a top, pick a top five where he's got some bullshit nonsense. <laughs> Remember the Titans is a terrible movie. The Departed, it insisted on itself. Get out of here. Uh, well, those are both it's true. It's just like, just like <laughs> Disney just saturates the market with everything and just, just waits for its clones just to. But it's all up. good. It's, it's all gold. It's all good. I haven't even finished Loki, and I hate myself because I keep hearing how fantastic it was. I'm only three episodes in. So exactly. I got like five. I think it's five movies left to get through in the MCU. Like I'm up to Infinity War. I haven't. Oh. I haven't started it yet, but I'm. That, that is. That's where I'm at anyway. Infinity Infinity War is by far. I try to not count the Avenger movies themselves because it's like not fair because they're always going to be the best. But Infinity War by far to me is the best movie. Of every MCU movie ever, it was. I have eleven movies amazing. to go, and the last one I watched was Ant Man, and I just Paul Rudd was okay. Rudd's, Rudd's better as like the sidebar guy for these guys, not like the lead dude in the movie. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're gonna have we gotta we gotta we gotta get a Marvel episode going though here because it's far too long for as long as we've been doing this. Yeah, so you gotta boys gotta finish. Okay, all right, guys, great stuff. On that note. Good talk. See you out there. Big kisses.